Hey everyone, and welcome to Rise Above It, the official podcast of the Rise business community, where we talk about goals, failures, success, and how to navigate the pursuit of dreams. You're on with your host, Jeff Noth. Hey, hey. And myself, Stu Campbell. Thank you for joining us. Our next guest is Fatima Dicko, founder of Jetpack, the next generation community chat app for apartments, dormitories, and close-knit neighborhoods, available now on app stores. Fatima immigrated to the U.S. from Mali as a child, growing up to attend Columbia University, get a degree in chemical engineering, joining the esteemed Delta Sigma Theta sorority, and then working at Procter & Gamble before getting her MBA at Stanford University. Welcome to the show, Fatima. We're excited to have you. Welcome. I'm super excited to, to be here and looking forward to the chat. I appreciate that a lot. Now, I glossed over quite a few things, no doubt, and you've been interviewed before with even a piece on NASDAQ.com. So I like to talk about the now through hindsight to craft a roadmap for others, if you will. Um, my first one uh, is Gary Vaynerchuk is a well-known speaker on entrepreneurship, and he often talks about the immigrant's chip on the shoulder. Uh, attending Columbia and then Stanford are huge accomplishments for anyone let alone someone new to this country whose family had to build something from scratch. Tell us a bit about your household, uh, your household, that, how that helped shape the Fatima we're talking to now. Absolutely. And, you know, that the, his philosophy around the, the chip on the shoulder piece, I think, is so relevant, um, specifically with my immigrant experiences. I think a lot of what shaped my identity and who I am is asking a lot of questions. And then coming to the United States and being in a household where me and my parents were essentially learning this culture as peers, you know, like they didn't know any more about American culture than I did. We were all learning English at the same time. And so, you know, I had to ask a lot of questions all the time. You know, why is this this way? Why does this work like this? And I think really good entrepreneurs are asking questions and more importantly they're obsessing over getting to the solution right and so i do think that that kind of started that trajectory of being inquisitive um and then over time that <laughs> curiosity kind of like 10x into like this desire to be obsessive over solving problems which i think both of you can obviously relate with mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but i would definitely say that's a core part of entrepreneurship Definitely. definitely. Um, so to those who may already know you or may be newly inspired by you today, Fatima, what can you tell them about your Columbia University experience that was formative to your approach to business now? And kind of to follow up on that, how could a young woman today replicate that outside the university experience, given the rise of online learning and such? Oh, I love that question. Oh, wow. I think that I would have, if I could go back in time, there's two things I would really keep in mind um, when I think about education. I think the biggest thing I think institutionalized learning provides for people today is allowing you to learn about how you learn. And I think mm -hmm. if anybody, whether it's in you know, a traditional institution or online learning through podcasts, like listening to things like this, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that you can do is listen to what you learned or take what you've learned and think about how you learned that thing. Like, what was the thing that caused you to internalize it? Was it that you're personally more drawn to stories? Do you need examples? Do you need to be hands-on? Really pay attention to the 
to the types of knowledge, pieces of information that stick in your mind. So that's something I would think a lot about. Um, and academic, like institutions aren't the only way to learn that, you know, yeah. like there are tons of entrepreneurs. You look at people like Jack Ma, you know, in his 30s, he was an English teacher who didn't know how to use a computer, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have one of the most profitable companies in the world. And that that's why I love entrepreneurship so much, because if you're a fast learner and you're resilient, those are two really core parts of the puzzle. Like you don't need to be brilliant to become a phenomenal entrepreneur. Right, that's a good Very point. Um, what's what well, resonates with me or I mean, what sticks out to me as far as like the university experience, which might be hard to uh, replicate outside that is kind of the, the community aspect and people are doing it online. That's actually something that that you're doing as well. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes out of, uh, you know, Corona as, as far as, you know, how how can you replicate that online either mm-hmm. and, and now it's like it's ridiculously important now but it's something to be thinking of for, you know for future access as far as breaking down you know barriers too like obviously that would be like easier to access assuming somebody has internet but so much more cost effective too so that's kind of related to the next question so you're known for your positive outlook on life your twitter bio even says good vibes only has the <laughs> attitude and approach helped you with jetpack as so is the jetpack is the one we can download today the same as the one you started such i first of all i just want to say i love these questions so much (laughs) because they're you know you you talk to a lot of folks and over time the questions become pretty similar but these are pretty awesome um thank you yeah good vibes only i mean (laughs) any entrepreneur i would argue like could have a reason to literally like just like break down every single day (laughs) (laughs) like there's a reason every day and so I think that if you are not looking at it I think on a grander scale then it's going to be very hard to maintain a positive outlook and you know one of the things before I went into entrepreneurship that helped me kind of think about this approach that I would recommend for a lot of people is thinking about how aligned your company is with your purpose. Because if it is aligned with your purpose, you're going to love what you're doing independent of how well things are going, right? If it's not aligned, you're just going to be miserable. Um, And also, if it's aligned with your purpose, you don't care what path is taken to get to the end goal. You know, you're you're path agnostic. You just want to get to the end goal. And so if you pivot, that's not this like devastating, challenging thing for you if you're focused on the end goal. Like for me, what I want to do is use the power of community to fuel the world. Like I really do believe that by helping people connect with other people in their vicinity, that's going to change the way that we interact with people, that we share with others, that we barter with others, that we network with people. And so if we do that through the form of a college, you know, buy and share platform. That's one way. If we do it through apartment buildings, that's another way. If we move to like hyperlocal chat, that's, you know, another way. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing I care about is, you know, we've had community forever. We've been borrowing a cup of sugar from our neighbors forever, but we haven't had a way to really bring this to scale. And I'd love to see what a world looks like where 
you can be in a cafe and be able to ask the person a couple you know tables away obviously not right now but (laughs) um, you know in the future like what what do interactions like that look like what does that open up for the world so to answer your question more directly jetpack has definitely changed over time you know we started on campuses then we shifted more to apartment buildings but i think the thing that's always remained the same is this desire to like use community as a tool to help us you know solve our Mm -hmm. daily problems yeah this communal feel yeah that's Mm -hmm. true i absolutely agree yeah because it's like we've had hundreds of thousands of years of being close to one another and you know the the more like closer we get online sometimes the farther away in person so uh and i think it'll there's present some some challenges but you know if nothing else i think you know we as a species are you know pretty adaptable so i think with you know the 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 right tools and and transition we can do it it's just um uh, got to be the, the the right way because yeah like i said we're we're communal people so uh, I, I love what you're doing thank you yeah. thank you yeah your it, point is so real it seems like there's a statistic i saw about loneliness continuing to go up even though you know we're more connected i guess with air quotes i'm using more connected than we've ever been so i think that's a really important thing that we should be thinking about yep yeah and unfortunately too i used to probably seeing some of the data too like all in these last four six weeks depending on where you are you know people are doing more facetime and zoom calls and whatnot too but depression's going way up you know like we need to be able to get out and interact with people too so uh yeah slight you know tangent but related there sorry for sure no for i in a weird way and i don't know about the two of you i felt more connected over the last i guess month than i have in a very long time oh wow yeah with a lot of people around me um and i'm trying to dissect exactly why that is i mean obviously like we've had more time and I think we're being forced to have conversations in spaces that are like a lot more controlled, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but I have for sure. A little bit. I think I've had more people reaching out to, you know, people that you might not necessarily had time or they might not have time to reach out prior have now kind of made that time. Uh-huh. So a little reconnecting with some old friends, that type of stuff. Yep. 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 Throwbacks. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I haven't, but it, I think I'm slightly different because I have, you know, three young kids and having to homeschool two of them type of thing. So it's just more distractions, whereas before I had more more time. But I see what you're saying, because because before, like everyone was so busy and running around, it was kind of like a sliding doors type of thing. Like, oh, hopefully we'll reconnect. And mm-hmm. you know, but now you, you have that time right. for, for a lot of people. So that's a good point. Okay, a little uh, humble brag time here. You received <laughs> the uh, 2017 Founder Award from the well-known Women Who Code nonprofit. Uh, what did that mean to you, and are you still involved with them? Oh, that's cool. I, I love all this research. That was, that was great. Um, yeah, that was super awesome. I was really surprised. Um, I think awards are a very, like, interesting psychological experience for me I think for a lot of entrepreneurs where like we never really feel like we're at the end right and so like Mm -hmm. in the process I feel that you know I'm still learning so much I have so much to learn and the second I learn a little bit more I feel like wow like I know nothing (laughs) 
And so I think that entrepreneurs, we, we rarely get like validation along the way. I think people start to care more about our stories when we're winning. And yeah. until then, it's like no one really cares, which is like a very <laughs> like tough psychological space to be in. Exactly. So it always feels nice to get those awards. I think they they end up, I guess, not having as big as an impact as continuing to push the company forward and things like that. But for me, what that meant is if another woman, especially a young black woman who wants to be a founder, can see that and then see themselves as a potential founder because they see someone who looks like them, then that mm-hmm. that's a win, right? Because for me, oh, yeah. a lot of times people just need to see an example of them. You know, when I was growing up, it, it was so hard for me to find engineers who look like me. You know, there's never anyone in my family or my network that even knew what an MBA was. And so I think we grossly underestimate sometimes how just being a person, like, you know, you being a dad and being a founder, like there's some dad who's going to see that and then have the energy to know like, oh, wow, like I can do that. Like those things are huge um, and have a bit, a bigger impact than we may even realize, you know? Hopefully. I mean, that's, we talked about that in our first episode about modeling too. Like if you're, like if you don't have someone to look up to necessarily in your family or community or, or even online, it's going to be harder to imagine yourself there. It, the mm-hmm. whole visualization thing, it's, it's, it's real. Right. Uh, yeah. And visualization you, is so real. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And then we could have a whole podcast on visualization. <laughs> uh, visualization. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Let's, let's, let's circle back. Oh my God. It's, you know, and, you know, Tony Robbins talks about it too and the reticular activating system and all that stuff. Like once you start seeing it, mm-hmm. like the actual scientific data is there yep. that you can start being able to achieve it more. Yep. And that's one thing that like, we don't want to just tell the stories of people who've already done it too. And that's the whole like mm-hmm. underlying mission of you know, rise itself too. Is like, you know, if, if, if you can't have that modeling experience, it's going to be harder to, 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 to see that. So if we can tell stories of people who, have failed or, or right. they've already done it or they're in the process. Right. And then that's, you know, cause there's like so many people don't pursue a dream because they talk themselves out of it. Right. You know? So if we can just, you know, reduce that barrier, uh, you know, that's, that's the impact we want to have as well. So I no, I totally, totally agree with you. I love that because I think one of the most critical things that we need to talk about is who's allowed to fail in our society. Like who's allowed to fail without being judged. Who's allowed to fail and have that be viewed as a positive marker in their career journey. And I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes people who are underrepresented, whether that's in the tech world, whether it's like gender or race or geographical region or socioeconomic class, if you're not in a particular group of people where like failure is like cool, right? Like, oh, they failed three times and then like they made it, then it can be very hard for you to open up oh. about failing. Like mm-hmm. everything has to seem like it's great all the time because there's this like proving element of things, which doesn't help anyone else in your community because then they just see things going well. And so I do think that creating spaces for people who aren't traditionally allowed to fail in productive ways in society to talk about that, I think 
has an extraordinary impact on the way people will pursue risks. Exactly. Like if you're in the, like the, the quote unquote, like the, the wrong, you know, neighborhood or, you know, even situation in your life too, you can have more things, you know, uh, you know, at, at risk too. So like if you, your failure means a whole lot, if you, you know, have kids or, or, or whatnot too. So that mm-hmm. even, even more so puts up the fear barrier. So hopefully, you know, we, what you're doing, you know, all, all the guests we bring on can tell people, Hey, it's okay to try something because, you know, like we talked with our first guest and I think Jim, Jim Carrey's parents, and he had an example of, you can have that quote unquote stable uh, job mm-hmm. that we're seeing right now. People, how many people, how many millions with what they thought were stable jobs have been, have been lost. Right. Too. So right. I, ironically right now is going to scare a lot of people from starting something, but it actually should make them think, you know, maybe now is the time to actually start something. Right. Even when you thought you had something secure, it can be wiped away. So, um, yeah, it's a little, little rant there. Uh, <laughs> I love it. No, that's spot on. Uh, another uh, question. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. We got, uh, so you worked on the innovation team at Procter & Gamble before batching off to forge your own path. Can innovation be taught or is it uh, solely innate? Wow. I think that so and I I feel like I've been now repeating this quote on like every yeah. interview. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, this I one of the things one of my mentors told me that has really stuck with me for a long time is that great ideas happen when two old ideas meet for the first time. And I think that that has had like a huge impact on how I've even viewed innovation in general. Um, There, in fact, have been some studies that show for some of the top patents that a lot of these companies have had, um, they all reference like at least two or more older patents that have like since been Mm -hmm. expired. And so for, for someone to think about it that way, I think is pretty profound because then you don't stop yourself like when you have an idea you don't go to google to see like well did someone else do this already you already know that you don't have to be first you just have to be different and better and i think that innovators do this really well like they take very simple ideas very seriously and they just explore like old applications of things in new ways and i think that's what innovation is about in terms of can it be taught I think that there are traits that make it easier for one to be innovative I think if you surround yourself with people who can make up for the gaps that you have um, Mm -hmm. or opportunity areas rather um, then you can be innovative as a team right if you look at like PayPal mafia or like even Steve Jobs and Wozniak, like a lot of these folks individually could not like we could have a whole conversation as well on (laughs) the decisions Steve Jobs made that could have like tore Apple apart. Like there were a lot of things he believed that would have killed Apple. Right. And so I think that sometimes Mm -hmm. we romanticize innovators without acknowledging the circumstances or the teams that allowed them to be innovative. So yeah, I those were that, Yeah, that's that's. I don't know if that answers your question, but oh yeah, no, no. definitely. No, that's great. Uh, and kind of related to uh, to our our uh, one of our other guests, uh, 
Boston uh, rapper Greenspan out of Baltimore. Uh, we were talking about how, you know, not, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun type of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, all these are, you know, these ideas can build and, and the whole entrepreneurship itself is really, it's not about being, oh, that super unique idea. It's, it's giving yourself permission to pursue something. Uh, and then, you know, it could always, it could always change and it can always build, but it's just like giving that permission. Cause like you said, like, if you just, if you just Google it, uh, and some people do yeah. that too, they have an idea and then, you know, it's a way it's, it's a self-preservation. They'll Google it and, you know, a, a, kind of the fear of failure. Yep. If they see something, they're like, Oh no. Okay. So yeah. That, like that so discouraged so fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so quick, uh, quick Baltimore shout out. My wife and I lived there for six years uh, over in uh, Hailthorpe in the Catonsville area, but I worked mostly in Bel Air Edison on the east side. Where did you live in Baltimore during your Procter and Gamble time? Yeah. Because, like we said before, you know, one's surroundings, like we said, often influence how they yep. end up. And you you said in the past that your time there helped inspire and even grow. Your first startup, mm-hmm. My Best mm-hmm. Box, which was a health and wellness delivery service. Yes. So, yeah, that, I feel like, did we ever talk about Baltimore? I feel like we should have talked about Baltimore more. <laughs> not, no, not, not that much, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, so I actually, I lived in Mount Vernon, so right on okay. um, Pratt and Charles Street, right by the Inner Harbor. Um, but I worked up in Hunt Valley, so like near Cockeysville. Oh, okay. yep. Yeah, so it was a a really interesting time you know baltimore is one of those places where people are just so innovative and i think that there are a lot of companies and i i love that i was in the baltimore entrepreneurial ecosystem before going to silicon valley because i think it's Mm -hmm. easy to think like i don't know some people think like the air is like special or something in silicon (laughs) valley and it's it's really not you know there's smart people everywhere and hustling to like grow crazy companies in places where there's not as much capital as in Silicon Valley. And like what you, what you get when you have circumstances like that are some really innovative companies. Um, So that was really cool to see um, because I, there, there was no difference between like the quality of, entrepreneurs and innovators in Baltimore um, and Silicon Valley. I would say the only difference is the access to capital. Um, Mm -hmm. And in terms more specifically how it impacts the health and wellness focus, I mean, growing up, I never really learned a lot of the healthy eating elements that were important to forming a healthy lifestyle. And then being in Baltimore, um, where there's so many food deserts, that just ended up being something I couldn't stop thinking about. And so oftentimes when you are in an environment where there's a problem that you just can't ignore, I think that will influence like your ability to pursue something um, in that space. So that's probably how it impacted me the most. Nice. That, what you said before actually kind of reminded me, I think part of the, you know, uh, Silicon Valley versus Baltimore versus, you know, anywhere else is, is brand because I don't know if you've seen some of these studies that like the bigger the city or the more quote unquote mm-hmm. innovative, the faster people, the faster people walk. Actually. Wow. There's this vibe that we're, we're very, you know, hive minded. Like we think it's the best place because it is the best place, but it's, it is the best place because we think it's right. the best place. It's, it, it, it's this monster that feeds off itself. So 
the more we get conversations like you're saying with, you know, Baltimore being great for startups too, you know, the, the more people are going to either come there or stay there too. Uh, if you, if you think it's a good place, it is. Yeah. Awesome. I think yeah. that's so spot on. And as you were saying that I'm originally from New York city when I moved here and I'm always like, New York's the best city in the world. And like, everyone's <laughs> just moving so fast. In New York. Oh, yeah. It's like, where are you <laughs> going? Like, you're not even going anywhere. Um, that was actually so funny. A mentor once told me at PNG that walking faster down the hallways allowed people to view you as like way more productive, which I thought was really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, you ever, you ever heard of the uh, the Superman pose too? Oh, that actually has an impact. Oh yes. On Did we talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's great. Uh, very cool. Very informative. Um, to wrap this up here, what's on your radar coming up? Anything you want to tell us and the listeners that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So we are, you know, it's an interesting time for us because we're obviously, you know, as we mentioned, students aren't on campuses. So that's shifted our focus a bit more to apartment buildings. And so we're going to be continuing um, to grow in that space. I think advice for listeners during this time would be twofold. One, recessions are, you know, like historically, um, they're some of the best times to start companies. So I do think that, you know, if people are thinking about starting a company during this time, not to be discouraged by the climate and spend the time really doing the market research and the, you know, the work to really figure out if this is a problem that, you're passionate about, that you're the right person to solve, and a problem for which people will actually pay for a solution to the problem, like really doing that work. And then on the second hand, like, like you don't have to do something during this time as well. Uh, like self-care and a lot of um, just like reflection oh, yeah. and getting closer to your purpose is also equally as important. So I know there's a lot of people who feel like, oh man, I have all this free time. I have to start a company or I have to do that thing. And sometimes that like have to feeling is the worst kind of energy to use to start something. Like that shouldn't be the mm -hmm. catalyst uh, for building something new. Um, so, I, okay. yeah, I know that that's kind of like contradictory advice, but I did want to give both perspectives where, you know, if it is, if, I, if an idea is very much so like sitting with you in a way where you know, like, this is the time, you feel it, it's time to go, do the work that's necessary now to continue validating that. Don't let the times discourage you. Um, and then on the other hand, don't think of the free time as like, a reason to start something <laughs> right no that, that's awesome and uh lame uh, dad joke alert uh <laughs> if you have, like you said if you put too much of a, a fire underneath you you could get burnout yep yep so uh that's a really <laughs> really, really, really good, appreciate uh, that. good i love that <laughs> <laughs> no uh no this is fantastic uh you know a great uh early uh podcast for us and we thank you immensely and it'll be it'll be hard to top you know, so much uh, knowledge coming out of your experience and, you know, what you're planning ahead. Uh, and it's 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 only good things. So good vibes only. Right. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much uh, again. We'll let you jump and uh, get back to working and, and building the community. And uh, hopefully we'll circle back for some other. Uh, Sounds great. And thank you so much. I mean, 
you two are some of my favorite entrepreneurs. I love that you're Aww. asking the questions that, you know, a lot of times people aren't asking. And, you know, it's a privilege to be having this conversation with you and wishing you all the best on everything you guys are doing, too. Likewise. I appreciate that. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you.